Well, we all know the dangers of racism. We know the problem with sexism. There are a lot of different isms out there. Have you heard of farmism? And and you know what that means and and why it's a problem. Interesting blog post of the Washington Policy Center online. A new member of the team over there, their agriculture policy research director Madeline Clark talking about farmism, saying food policy should put farmers and food eaters that's all of us and it should put farmers and food eaters first and farmisms last. What are what are farmisms? There's all kinds of isms out there, as we've talked about. And 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 the vibe of farm of my farming type or style uh, is better than yours. Uh, what's this all about? Welcome back. We continue here on the farming show here on KGMI News Talk 790. I'm Dylan Honkoop. I'm your host every Saturday morning here from 7 until 8 a.m. And and we are privileged enough to have Madeline Clark with us right now with the Washington Policy Center. Again, she's pretty new to the team there. Agriculture Policy Research Director. Madeline, is, is that that's a new position, right? Yes, we started it actually almost two years ago so i shouldn't call it new anymore um but we are uh, start when we started into agriculture it was a new endeavor for wpc and they brought me on and it's been a great opportunity with a lot of um, new things thrown my way so i guess that keeps the position feeling new that it's kind of a new topic every week and oh. that i'm focusing on I'm going to have you explain farmism in just a second, but just so people know, I've been talking with folks with Washington Policy Center for years, uh, Todd Myers, uh, Jason Mercier, and others, uh, Lynn uh, Fine on uh, school issues, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, great organization here in Washington State, a, a think tank that focuses on um, sustainability that includes economic uh, viability in the equation that's part of our, our conversation this morning about farmism you can't leave out that economic factor if you're going to talk about sustainability uh, but I, I'm a huge fan have been for a long time of the Washington Policy Center and again have had them on the air many times here so Madeline talk about you were at food tank it was a week ago in Seattle um, it was their Seattle food tank is this national organization and in Seattle last week, they had their Seattle Food Summit on growing food policy. I'm using air quotes because they use quotes around growing food policy. And Food Tank is, and I'm just reading from your blog post now, so people can follow along if they want to, uh, WashingtonPolicyCenter.org, if they uh, surf to your blog posts uh, food policy should put farmers and food eaters first and farm e uh, and farmisms last. Food Tank is a think tank. This is the who was putting on this event in Seattle last week that you went to. They're a think tank for food that collaborates with its members to, quote, provide sustainable solutions to our most pressing environmental and social problems. Well, it sounds like a good thing to a lot of people, right? So what are they up to at an event like this food summit on growing food 
policy? What, what does that even mean, growing food policy? Can you explain that? Well, that's a great question. And having attended the event, um, I kind of left wondering exactly what <laughs> did they mean by growing food policy? Um, because they, they kind of went every which way, um, but not the economical way um, in a lot of situations. And it was go organic, go natural, go um, sustainable and vegetarian. And all of these isms of saying organic is better than conventional and having grown up in agriculture, I will argue that point until to um, say a cliche till the cows come home because <laughs> I... I, I don't think organic is necessarily better than conventional. It's an option, and I think we need to keep it as such. Um, but this conference definitely um, pitted a lot of points of view um, against each other and kind of left you wondering, well, which way do they want to go forward? Mm -hmm. Obviously, they think one way is better than another, and I don't think that's how agriculture works. I think there's a lot of options out there, and they're not necessarily they shouldn't be prioritized better than one way or another. They have different give and take. Well, and, and for folks who know, my position has been for a long time back when I was a daily talk show host here on KGMI. And now that I've left the radio business, except for this program, um, to be an advocate for agriculture here at, at Save Family Farming, uh, my position here officially and and personally as well aligns that we, ha we have nothing against organic agriculture. We have nothing against saying I'm going to provide a GMO free product. We have no problem with um, a lot of these up and coming. Um, maybe they're trendy. We'll see how long some of these things uh, last um, things that are going on in and around agriculture and farming. Um, if someone chooses to, to grow, and, and that's what bugs me, I guess, is is this farmism issue of my farming is better than yours. It, people can take that both ways, and I don't like it going either way. I don't like people being against organic just because it's organic. Exactly. I, I, don't, I don't like people being against someone who's, you know, doing no spray this or non-GMO that just because they think, well, all that stuff is dumb or that's for Birkenstock wearers. Or, so I, I, would, I would counterbalance with that. But I think that's what you're talking about is that either side shouldn't have the arrogance to say we're better than the other. Exactly. That's and I, I look at it and it's all about choice and the consumer should be able to buy organic milk or be able to buy conventional milk, depending on what they want um, and what they feel is valuable in their product. And we should leave that for the market um, to decide. And but the scary thing is um, and, and I say scary and I really mean that it's it's absolutely terrifying sometimes because we let these ideological statements of local food is better. And for some people, local food may be better in their estimation. But for me, um, I like pineapples and I don't think Washington can do a great job growing pineapples. So I'm <laughs> exactly. not going to buy local pineapples. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, Good luck and finding them. Exactly. And so um, th there has to be um, a little bit of logic and a lot of economic um, real reality checks mm -hmm. in there. Um, but we say statements like local is great. Um, and in some ways, I, I like going to the farmer's market and those things are great. But at the same time, we have to boil it down and say, but one is not better than the other. Um, and when we're defining um, a better agricultural system, we're trying to fix the food system. So everybody has an opportunity to um, participate in the market. Um, 
we have to understand that not everyone wants local or can afford local, um, but they can still have healthy food. Um, and this kind of pitted one side against the other. The whole um, the whole summit seemed yeah. to really advocate for those um, fad statements of local, organic, sustainable. They even were um, pushing for vegetarianism, and I had had my six ounce sirloin the night before. So. <laughs> What an evil person. You know how much you're contributing to climate change by eating that steak? Exactly. I mean, that's the line, right? <laughs> exactly. But I think they need to remember, uh, well, I was raised on a statement, you got to drink the milk to keep the cows in business. My dad was a veterinarian, so yep. we depended on the cows milking for, yep. <laughs> for our business. But um, I, I think all of these things work um, work together, and we can't be exclusive. Um, we had a, a Washington farmer there at the farm tank, uh, or at the food tank far, uh, solutions, um, or food tank food summit. Mm. Um, and Rosella Mosby was there. Yes, exactly. Rosella Mosby was the one that brought up the phrase of no farmisms. We need to be inclusive. And I think she was right on. We need to include all these types of agriculture and not talk about one over the better, like one of over the other is better. And I work in policy all year long. And so I hear these statements of local is better, organic is better. And then I go to the legislative session or I see initiatives and they're pushing for organic food or local food. And that's not fair to the consumer, nor is it fair to the many different types of farmers that exist in Washington state. So that's the danger with farmisms. That's why they're so scary is they often turn into policy that when applied would be disastrous for our farm economy and for our consumers. Well, and that's why I like you put the how you put the term food eaters in the headline, which some people might just read that over and think, oh, yeah, those people, those food eaters. Oh, wait, that's <laughs> that <would be> everybody. <laughs> that's me. By the way, we're talking with Madeline Clark right now here on The Farming Show. She's Agriculture Policy Research Director with the Washington Policy Center and um, talking a little bit about how, well, really, in a lot of ways, it wasn't all urbanites. I don't want to make a make a blanket statement here and, and create some kind of ism of my own. <laughs> but we're talking <laughs> about this food tank, uh, food summit on growing food policy. There was a bunch of social media about it. Bunch of, and there were a few articles written about this gathering in Seattle of some folks feeling like they, they, they know how to, quote unquote, fix the food system. I question sometimes if they really even understand what's broken and what's not broken. Um, but from what you're saying, Madeline, it sounded like a pretty, in some ways, politically charged e event, really, in, in the take that they were having. And and I think that is interesting within the context of sustainability, because right now we're, we're talking about the, you know, the farmism between let's just stick with conventional versus organic agriculture. And there are a lot of other different, uh, I guess, ways you could could slice it. But I think that's probably the most common debate out there. Um, you talk about leaving it to the market uh, to decide. I agree with that standpoint. Um, I, I, that was why I opposed that initiative a few years back where they wanted to force uh, products that contain genetically modified organisms to label as such on uh, their packaging. I thought, why can't it be the other way around? Right now, it's a boon uh, to people who produce 
food that doesn't contain GMOs to label it as such, put that old non-GMO label on there. If you want to do that, by all means do that. If that helps you sell your product or if that makes you feel good or you know, if you're truly concerned about, which by the way, there's no scientific evidence to back up yeah. your concern for it, but if, <laughs> if that's your thing, fine. I have nothing against that. I'm not going to make fun of you uh, other than I will challenge you on the science a little bit and tease you when uh, you aren't able to come up with any actual scientific arguments but we won't go there today uh, so why don't we go that direction i think that applies to a lot of this here um and again farmism being the issue my farming is better than your farming there are a lot of myths about organic farming a lot of misunderstanding and even even academics and and people you might expect to be through and through oh we got to go organic you know people who are against pesticides even don't necessarily like organic because guess what organic uses pesticides what they spray their crop did you know that well they, they, people have a hard time buying that come on what do you well yeah they're, they're organic pesticides what yes these are some myths out there that people don't even understand the differences you talk with um an academic like uh david montgomery who i had on this program months back talking about soil health and uh, met him up here in Whatcom County at the uh, the the Whatcom Conservation District Small Farm Expo a few weeks ago where he spoke. Um, he is kind of sold on the idea that um, completely organic is actually worse for the planet than a limited careful use of some pesticides, a.k.a. conventional farming, when necessary for soil health and for a lot of other reasons. The, the carbon footprint of organic farming is oftentimes much bigger than conventional farming. There are a lot of these issues in here. And I, I see on your Twitter account, and by the way, if you want to follow her on Twitter, it's at WAPolicyAg. So just WA for Washington, Policy Ag, all one word, at Wa Policy Ag on Twitter. Madeline Clark, our guest with us right now. You, you're tweeting out a link and some info about kind of busting some myths on organic right now. Yeah. And um, if I could have taken over the mic at the conference, I feel like that would have been <laughs> the first question or first statement on my mouth is organic uses pesticides. Um, I can't count the amount of times people said that um, or um, talking to people out in the crowd that they brought it up of organic it's pesticide free. And it's really aggravating to me um, to talk to people that say they um, love farming and that they want to feed the world. Um, and then they're spreading these myths um, because it doesn't make our position any stronger in agriculture. Um, because then we see initiatives like we did in the legislature, or I shouldn't, shouldn't call it initiatives, a legislative piece um, that would have required the four day notification to spray pesticides. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because people aren't educated really on the issues and they, they start believing their own myths, um, that they're fact and they're not. Yep. And I, I feel like David Montgomery, you said his name was, should yep. have been a speaker at the food <laughs> tank, um, to, to show the give and take in these discussions, because that's what it is. And, um, I know so many farmers, um, that do organic, but they also do conventional because they know it's a balance. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. and, and that's the way the system needs to work is the farm needs to be the farmer needs to be able to make their choices and the consumer should have the flexibility to make their choices no matter if it's organic or conventional or local or 
all the way across, um, all the way from Chile and you're buying raspberries. So it, everyone should be able to make um, those choices. And Washington raspberries are delicious. I guess I should say that first. But Thank you. I grew up in the Washington red raspberry industry. So I was about to take uh, yeah. <laughs> take exception there with your point about Chilean raspberries since we have uh, had trade disputes with them in the past. But no, they Very actually true. do a pretty good job. My dad has been down to Chile uh, and toured a bunch of their, their raspberry production down there. Pretty interesting. Uh, how how raspberries and so many other things, uh, most food is a, a global market now. Uh, Madeline Clark with the Washington Policy Center is with us. Madeline, do you have time to stay? I feel like we haven't, we're up against the news break, uh, but I feel like we haven't finished this conversation yet. Are, are you able to stay with us for another segment? Yeah, let's stay on. Let's let's talk ag. All right, stand by. We've got news. We've got more coming up here on the Farming Show. This is KGMI News Talk 790. I'm your host, Dylan Honkoop. Our guest this hour, Madeline Clark with the Washington Washington Policy Center. Farming Show continues. KGMI News Talk 790. I'm Dylan Honkoop, Communications Director for Save Family Farming. And I always want to say former KGMI talk show host, but I still have this show. So I guess I'm still kind of a talk show host. At least I pretend to be one uh, when I talk about farming on the radio, 7 to 8 a.m. here every Saturday morning. Thanks for being with us. We're talking with a new person on the team-ish. And I think she pointed out, that, well, it's. I guess it seems new to me. Does that mean I'm getting old? Maybe that means I'm getting old. Uh, where two years didn't seem like a very long time. Madeline Clark, Agriculture Policy Research Director with the Washington Policy Center, is on the program with us this morning. And Madeline, we're talking about farmisms. We're talking about the difference between organic and conventional farming and how it's a dangerous game to start playing favorites and saying one is better than the other and, and trying to, um, I guess, really by doing that, in some cases, shame the other side, quote-unquote, that's the, that's the negative part of it, and that's not healthy. It's not healthy for conventional farmers or people who believe in conventional farming to shame or, or organic operators or, or, again, people who fall into different kinds of categories. It's not good for, for meat eaters to shame vegetarians and vice versa. Um, but it's not always that easy because there have been a lot of hot-button issues wrapped into this, and in some cases... The few, the activists, the real hardcore out there have made uh, conventional agriculture, even animal agriculture, period. Any farming that involves animals, they've made it about climate change. They've made it about environmental destruction. They, they, they've painted it in such a poor light that they leave those of us who say, hey, it should be up to the market. Hey, it should be up to the consumer to choose what is best and we shouldn't be picking favorites. It leaves us saying, uh, uh, what you're, you're accusing me of destroying the planet? Wait a second. I think we need to roll this back here a little bit. How do you respond to some of that stuff where people are saying, well, you can't, I mean, if you support conventional agriculture, you must be anti-Earth, uh, I guess. You, you must hate, <laughs> hate the environment or, or hate humanity or whatever it might be they're trying to make it sound like. Well, that's a great question. And I often look at it of what, why do you feel that you can define other people's values? Um, 
and because all of our values are a little bit different. And so we're all going to look at different things um, with that perspective of my values are going to be a little bit different than your values. Um, so forcing that on somebody else um, can really invade um, another person's um, belief system. And I, so boiling it down to the vegetarianism, um, my dad's a large or was a large animal veterinarian. He does more mixed animal now. Um, but I grew up around cattle and um, other ruminants like goats and sheep. And I think um, because of the way I was raised, um, the, the background I have in animal nutrition through my undergrad, I think ruminants serve a value to the planet because I don't eat grass. I know nobody that really eats grass out on these rough, um, rough territories, um, terrain that cattle are able to graze and to put on weight and create a food product that you and I could not get that caloric value out of that land. Um, and even if we farmed it, we couldn't get the caloric value out of that land. Um, yeah. So it's so trendy to talk about the food system. Well, that's part of it. There's dirt, there's a lot of dirt, but how do you get food out of it and getting food out of the dirt, so to speak, isn't always possible through the simple, I'm going to plant a seed, grow a plant and eat it process that, that some would have you believe. That doesn't work everywhere. Yeah. So, and, and so when we force a value, um, one of them that was mentioned was only half an ounce of beef per day and you'll save the planet. Right. Um, that I, I found um, that to be really offensive, um, one, to me, and I really shouldn't be getting offended over it, but to the disrespect for other people's value systems um, and the way they look out on the world. And so I think we need to have this collaborative approach of if you feel that vegetarianism is the choice for you or low meat consumption, then you should be able to make that choice. And I should be able to make the choice to eat beef or whatever I feel is a value um, based off my own belief system. And when we talk about farming and we talk about agriculture and what works and getting the food grown, getting the value out of that land and get, getting it to people, um, we have to have that give and take. It's not community gardens over farmers markets over basic grocery store chains. They all work together in yeah. the same system to get food to people. And I, I, it, it has to be respecting other people's point of view. And, and you said the word sustainable. And I mean, that word right there was quoted all day long. Um, and that word has no definition. And that is a great word to use to say, well, what does sustainable mean to you? Because um, it means something different, I'm sure, between um, different people and different groups. But if you look at the big picture, it should mean something. And and even going back to what you're saying about vegetarianism or, or organic farming. Um, and, and again, this isn't to disparage anybody in any, any of those categories, uh, but to disagree with, more importantly, those who are kind of proselytizing or, or trying to, you know, force these views on other. I think the most rabid people out there, by the way, are, are the vegans. Uh, there are a lot of vegans who are super nice people and have nothing to do with this, but there is a small, hardcore group of activist vegans who are just angry people. I don't know what it is about that. But in general, just this idea of uh, don't force your value system on me. If you, if that's important to you not to eat GMOs or whatever it is with your food, great. But don't force me to do it. They would say, well, uh, but there is this absolute in their mind of, well, climate change uh, is happening and it's being caused by agriculture, conventional agriculture. And so they say, well, it's not just up to you whether you can care about it or not. You have to care about it. And I say, OK, that's great. There are absolutes. That means you have to start talking about the actual facts 
when you're making that case that animal agriculture is killing the planet or whatever particular, uh, you, you know, whatever your is your cause du jour, um, as far as the activists go. Um, and a lot of that is based on faulty evidence. A lot of it is based on really heightened rhetoric and questionable data. Uh, so we need to start getting honest about, um, some of those, those issues and, and say that there is an absolute. And I think that that also goes for the term sustainability. Um, and, and you, you started off our conversation this morning, uh, talking about, well, sustainability really should include economic sustainability as well as environmental sustainability, as well as social sustainability. I mean, there's so many different categories here. The idea of sustainability should be a holistic one, to use another buzzword. Um, and, and if it does, it should consider that. And that's where in some cases, uh, in a lot of cases, actually, organic fails the sustainability test. Uh, organic agriculture has some issues there. I'll, I'll be the first to admit conventional farming also has some things to look out for, some things to think about and, and, and to think about soil health and traditional practices and, and maybe some things that uh, need to be improved, more efficiencies that need to be found, better practices. I think uh, conventional and organic farming need to do some soul, uh, soul searching uh, on some, some issues, but organic, for instance, uh, as I mentioned earlier, not always the most uh, earth-friendly as far as its carbon footprint, and also, as far as sustainability, not always sustainable for a farmer to farm in an organic way. That's not always economically possible, so that's one of the sustainability issues with it. The other sustainability issue is the cost of actually purchasing, and this is where we're talking, we're going from farmers to food eaters, to the cost to purchase organic food uh, can sometimes be very prohibitive for people to be able to participate in organic agriculture on the food eater end of things. Um, what about, you know, communities, um, low income communities? What, what, what are they supposed to do about uh, pricey organic food? How is that sustainable for them? I think these questions need to be answered if, if, these folks at, a, at an event like Food Tank uh, last weekend in Seattle are talking about sustainability. I think they really need to, to address some of these things. I completely agree. And that was one thing when I sat in the audience and I was listening to these um, solutions and air quotes, um, because I wouldn't call them solutions, even though a lot of people talked, at the, talked about these uh, ideas as the end all be all to all the, to fix the whole food system and being very, very familiar with ag policy. And I don't know everything, but I've, I've been well-researched. I've worked in this for, uh, well, really since high school and mm -hmm. FFA and I grew up in agriculture. So yeah. I love ag policy and I'm familiar with these ideas and the research behind it. And I listened to some of these ideas and everyone would start clapping and I'd look around going, why are we clapping about this? Yeah. <laughs> this is a bad idea or this isn't effective. This hasn't worked. And in some cases, things are trendy that have been tried before and the people who are all excited about it don't even know that they've been tried before because they're new to the game. Exactly. And I, I feel like we have to be honest in the solutions that actually work and, and talk about them in a way of this is what's really happening out there. These are the numbers. These are the statistics. Um, 
one one example that was brought up a lot was farmers markets and i like going to the local farmers market i enjoy that experience um but a lot of um the solutions of farmers markets to solve um, food insecurity in urban areas was presented as this is working so effectively well the numbers indicate otherwise they indicate that a lot of times these farmers markets um put themselves near um grocery stores that already exist um because that's where the foot traffic is and so they're not fixing the food desert problem um they're going to areas that already have access to that food um so that's just one example that was really frustrating to listen to as that was presented as a solution um but there were there was one one speaker i remember that he he talked about um we need to stop using keywords like diversity and talk about the actual effectiveness of our ideas um and how those ideas are going to work community gardens great idea they don't really work um that effectively in the communities he's been serving for um, a couple decades now. So his, his, um, his perspective was nice to hear that refreshing touch, mm-hmm. but overall it was, um, we were kind of fooling ourselves, um, by the beautiful story we were telling. Um, but the reality is, is when we're not telling how things actually work, um, people are going to go into these communities, form another nonprofit because, um, one of the statistics quoted was there are 30 to 40 different groups in just the Seattle area that work in some type of food um, nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And um, as one of the people sitting next to me said, that's way too many. Um, and I don't want to say they're not doing good work. But right. But, we, but if they, you added up all the salaries, all the administrative costs, all of that, and and instead went out and bought food for hungry people, uh, <laughs> you probably solve the problem. I, I, exactly. I, and I, and I say this benefit. as someone who is also working in a nonprofit as an advocate. I, I understand these arguments. Uh, from both sides, but really, are are you about finding a problem or are you about solving a problem and actually doing something? Yes. And one thing I do um, in my job is I step back and I look at what type of work am I doing and is the the effort that is being put in into the agri- the initiative on agriculture at WPC giving that benefit to the farmers and the the citizens of Washington State and I with the feedback we've been getting, yes, they're, they're getting that benefit, but my salary and the cost of us doing business has to be justified in the good we're doing. There has to be a social benefit. Um, and when we're duplicating efforts and doing the same thing, or maybe even choosing ineffective things that have been already proven to not work, um, but we're choosing to try it again. Um, uh, is it, are, are we making a difference for the things that really need to have a difference made for them? Those communities that are struggling to get food and fixing the problems within agriculture. Cause I'm not saying farming's perfect. Um, I've seen my first share of problems, but yep. I, 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 we have to step back and ask that question and, and be honest. Yeah. Um, we got to be true really to, honest. true to the facts. We, we can't dismiss. And this goes for, for all sides of this conversation as well. You can't dismiss other people's ideas out of hand, whether it's uh, you know conventional uh, types uh, dismissing the idea of organic out of hand without understanding it and vice versa. Um, but when you look at the facts, you look at the truth, you need to be honest about <laughs> what the data says works and what doesn't work. Madeline Clark is with us right now, Agriculture Policy uh, Research Director with Washington Policy Center. Uh, Madeline, uh, just a minute left here with you. 
Um, how can people stay in touch with what you're doing there at uh, the Washington Policy Center? Um, visit WashingtonPolicy.org or follow me on Twitter at WAPolicyAg. Again, that's at WAPolicyAg. But all of my blogs and all of my research are posted for free on WashingtonPolicy.org. For free. I love that part. For free. Yeah, well, so all that's of our because I'm a Dutch farmer. Free, but if you <laughs> if you like what we do, we also um, are a nonprofit. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate your time and the good work that you do. Stay in touch, uh, and and uh, thanks for your time here on the program this morning, Madeline Clark, Washington Policy Center. Thank you. Thank you so much.